to Fancy Town Crimes Podcast, a podcast about crimes in fancy towns told by middle-class broads. All right, well, hello there, everybody. Hey, guys. This is Megan. And this is Taylor. And it has been a hot minute since we have recorded. Oh my gosh, I know, I can't believe we're back. And why has it been a hot minute since we've recorded? <laughs> I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I was left doing all of the difficult work of maintaining the Instagram page. And this <laughs> lazy butt was in the hospital for two days with an epidural. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was, uh, it, was, it was like a vacation, really. I swear. So we were supposed to record the day that you had the kid. Yes. Yes, we and... were. And... I think you tried to get out of recording. I was yeah, I was like, ready. you know what? I don't want to record. <laughs> I think I'm just going to have a baby instead. So Jeff had texted me and, you know, a couple of uh, people to essentially say that you had had the kid and you were in the hospital and you were in labor and like the whole nine, right? And I literally texted him back and I was like, tell her she better be ready for Thursday. <laughs> like, I'm not messing around. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It was, it was so funny because I was 39 weeks and like three or four days or something. So I wasn't quite at the 40 week mark. And I was so like, I was just so ready. I was like, when is this going to happen? Like, when is she going to come? And then at that point, I had kind of accepted that I'm probably just going to go late. Like, she's probably not going to come until after 40 weeks. And then all of a sudden, she just decided now is the time. I am making my entrance into the world. I don't care. Once you accept it, it just happens. I think that's just like, I think that's like, honestly, just, uh, how life is it's like once you just accept something as it is then all of a sudden stuff starts happening and you're just like oh I guess I should just accept the things that are out of my control and and you know what going along with our theme LDR lean is a very fancy name she she does have a very fancy name she's, she's a very fancy, fancy. She's we're a not fancy, fancy. she's fancier Taylor, than us not fancy <laughs> she's way f- fancier than us and she's only three weeks old yeah, no kidding, right? Good for her. She's going to be our fancy lady. So you guys have already seen on the Instagram page, if you follow us, that um, I'd gotten tailored the Fancy Town Crimes um, so cute. onesie with a little tutu from yes. the spooky designer who is so talented. She's so talented. I it's adorable. I wish I could take credit, but I literally contacted her over Messenger and I was like, hey, um can you make a onesie that has to do kind of with like our theme? I was like, I was thinking maybe like pearls. And then she was like, hold up and just Girl, like I got you. the whole thing. It's so cute. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out on our Instagram, Fancy Town Crimes. And we'll link her Insta uh, in the show notes yeah. as well. Cause she's super talented and definitely she's recommend. Got, she's got cool stuff. Yeah. She and does. The the two she's like how about a tutu I was like let's just do it let's just keep doing I have no idea how you're gonna wash that onesie and I apologize but (laughs) definitely a hand washer that's for sure (laughs) 
Yeah. And she's pearls on it. My little Ellie is very tiny. She came out and she was only uh six six pounds, two ounces, I think. So she was itty bitty baby. So she's actually she just transitioned to newborn clothes from preemie clothes. So the onesie that we have is like a three to six monther. So she's like swimming in it, which is great because then when she's a bigger baby, she can go and wear her little tutu and her little onesie. It's so hard to guess baby sizes. It is oh my gosh, so it's hard. Impossible. It's it honestly is impossible. I had all zero to three month stuff for her and she didn't, she doesn't fit in any of it. Like she is swimming in all of it. So it's that's what uh, you get for being prepared. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Luckily I did purchase a couple preemie things because I was like, there's a chance she could be small and everyone's like, no, no, like get the larger sizes. Like she'll only last like a week in those new, in those preemie clothes. But she ended up lasting two and a half weeks in the preemie clothes. So thank goodness I bought some preemie stuff or else she would have just been very uncomfortable in everything. So, oh, babies, babies now, babies control my life. I can't wait to meet the nugget. Oh my gosh, I, I, just, I know. I cannot wait. I can't wait just, for you to just want to squish her. I just want to squish that little she's face. Got the squishiest little face and her cheeks are getting so chubby now. She's just she's just gaining so much weight. She's turning into a little chub meister. I mean, that's good. That means, you know, that you're keeping her alive and feeding her. So yes. kudos to you, mom of the year. Always feeding her. <laughs> constantly feeding her. Listen, I feel that in quarantine. I constantly need to eat I know I feel that so hard just like literally talking about food makes me just want to go eat everything in our kitchen because I just it's a struggle to eat like to actually like keep up with eating with a baby like I struggle to like brush my teeth find time to use the bathroom to eat breakfast or drink water which is like not good because I need to have those things because she's draining my life force (laughs) but You're a glorified vending machine now. (laughs) Basically, I'm the boob machine. All I do is is pump out milk for my little boob goblin. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Just wait till she becomes a teenager. They're just as much fun. Oh, even more fun. (laughs) I'm just excited for her to discover her hands and then and then we'll we'll be ready to go. Yeah. How's Piper doing with the new one? Oh my gosh, she's obsessed with her. She just, she can't get enough of her. She, so the other day, so Ellie is starting to become more interactive. uh, So she's starting to notice things and react to noises now. So the other day, uh, I think earlier this week, Piper was like really trying to like force her way into Ellie's space. And I was like, Piper, please stay back. And Piper had her giant head looking at Ellie and Ellie like I had her laying on her back like looking at me and Piper had her head over my shoulder trying to look at Ellie and Ellie turned her head and made eye contact with Piper and I think it was the first time that she had actually like noticed Piper and Piper freaked out she got so excited they're (laughs) wagging wagging her tail she was like she looked at me she noticed me so (laughs) She, uh, she's pretty obsessed with her. She wants to make sure that we know that she's pooping 
Ellie is pooping. She is smelling like she is pooping. So please help her. Please don't <laughs> murder the child while you are doing tummy time. She's very nervous about tummy time for Ellie. But yeah, she's good. She's just obsessed. Obsessed. And then Bodie Face is dealing with all of his medical stuff right now. Good lord. Well, hopefully this is the end. He goes down for the retest and he has to stay overnight, which is kind of killing me a little bit. Yeah. And he doesn't care. I put him in the car this morning so my mom took him down. He doesn't care. I'm like, I'll see you soon. And he's He's like, like, bye mom. Whatever. He's like, where where am I going? I'm going to have fun. I know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then, um, he, oh, he now thinks he's a bunny. You know, so remember he was afraid of the bunnies before. Yes. He now sees the bunnies in the yard, and when they hop, he also hops. Oh, he's trying to be their friend. I'm like, you're going to accidentally kill them. You can't jump on them. Because <laughs> he did. I told you about the time he accidentally killed a bird, right? Oh, no. Oh, my God. This was, like, a couple of months ago. I was I was so horrified. We were out for a walk, and there was this bird that was just, like, dicking around on the sidewalk. Oh. And he jumped on it. Like, it was a toy, and then it died. And I was oh, like, no. oh. And I'm like, they, I'm, like, standing there horrified, and he's like, what? They think like, they're toys. Like, they don't realize that they're, like, oh. real, like, animals. Like, that's, like, Piper and the Possum. Well, the, so the funniest thing is, so Colleen used to have the guinea pigs. I mean, she still has the guinea pigs, but they aren't here anymore because she moved out with Tyler. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so when they were moving, they had the guinea pigs. We carried the guinea pigs in a laundry basket when we moved them. <laughs> it's like piggy jail. <laughs> so Bodie was in the crate because he loves the guinea pigs so much, but again, doesn't realize that yeah. he can't like paw at them. Of course. Um, and one of the guinea pigs will run away, but the other one's not afraid of him. So she like stands up at her hind legs, like, come at me, bitch. And he's like trying to play with her. Um, but he kept, Tyler was like petting the guinea pigs and Bodie's in his crate growling at Tyler for petting the guinea pigs because those are his friends. Don't get the fuck away from my guinea pigs. Don't pet them. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Mm -hmm. He's like, those are mine. You can't have them. He definitely misses them because he keeps going into Colleen's old room and being like, wait, where are they? Poor Bubba. I know. I know. He's a good boy. And I can't wait for him to come back. I know. He'll be so happy. The only good thing about him not being here, the only good thing, is that I don't have to guard my food with my life. (laughs) I like today. On the plus side. So today I was working from home and I was... um, because we get to be remote on Wednesdays, and I made myself lunch, and I realized that I had forgotten um, water in the kitchen, and I had a sandwich on the table, and I was about to, like, pick up the sandwich to, like, bring, and I'm like, I don't have to bring it in the kitchen with me. No one's gonna steal my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Piper ate a binky yesterday, so that was good. Oh, Lord. Well, I mean, in fairness, it kind of is like a chew toy for it a human. And you know, honestly, it can't, it won't be the first, it's, it's, it'll, it's the first time, but it will not be the last time. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I'll just buy Piper a binky. Perfect. She'd love that. Giant telling you, dog binky. I need to get one of those like aunt shirts that had like the, yes. the, from that TikTok, which now of course I'm obsessed with TikTok. Oh my gosh. Which is 
I, freaking dangerous. I think we talked but. about this in an earlier episode where I was like, yeah. you have to get on TikTok and like, not like well, cause make TikToks, but like watch them because they're so funny. I did make a TikTok. I, I have one TikTok that I made, but it's private and it's, it's Brandon like doing like a oh, goofy, yes. like dance I, move I saw to that. SpongeBob theme. It's not, that was very good. It's not a good TikTok. It will never well, go viral. Well, you gotta viral. start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. I mean, none of my TikToks are good. You gotta start somewhere. I'm s- well, didn't you do one for Win? I did. Yes. I like that. one's cute. Thanks. That's you know, cute. you gotta give it a try. I have some followers on TikTok. Oh, look at you. I we should do one some. for Fancy Town Crimes. Ooh, that would be fun. Should do one of us like recording and then Jeff is in the corner as we talk about people, you know, dying in heinous ways and he's just like, <laughs> I know. I had him listen to an episode recently because he hadn't like listened to, like, he listens when I play it, like when I'm editing it. Um, yeah. And I'm like, listen to this part. We're so funny. And, um, <laughs> And so he, I was like, you should listen, Jeff. And so he listened one day while he was working and he was laughing while he was listening. And I was like, what do you think? And he was like, you guys are actually pretty funny. He was like, I didn't realize that you like, there was so much talking. He's like, I thought you just like, like you were just in there, like on that, like blood and guts talking about crime. I didn't realize that there was like, you know, other stuff happening in the podcast. And I was like, yeah, we're multidimensional. Look at us. Does he know us but at all? I know, right? Do you think that we could just jump into a crime Jeffrey? without talking? See, I can't wait until we don't have to, like, hardcore quarantine anymore mm. and we can be at your house oh, and yes. Jeff can be bringing us wine while we record. And Jeff, yes. I know you're going to listen to this part. I can't wait for you to make dinner and wine while we record. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. God, it'll be so good. Oh, so good. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Well, this crime is talk about like SVU style, especially heinous. So no. uh, I'm get I'm like nervous to dig into it. So we have we have to get started before the okay. butterflies in my stomach like overload. Okay, good. Because my boobs are <laughs> they're they're starting to tell me that it's time to feed a baby. So let's oh, let's, let's do this thing. <laughs> There's, they Biology. like to speak to me sometimes. Oh, also, I'm teaching anatomy this year, um, and we were talking about feedback loops, and literally one of the only examples of a positive feedback loop is childbirth, and it was probably right around the same time that you were giving birth, and I was just kind of laughing, because I'm, like, telling these kids what's happening to you. Interesting. What is the, what is the, what is the positive feedback loop of? Oh, you're gonna birth. put me on the spot now. So, I don't know all of, like, the hormones off the top of my head I'd have to look at it but essentially it's like baby's head sits on the cervix creates like pressure creates contractions those contractions create more pressure on the cervix that more pressure creates stronger contractions it's basically that buildup of contraction 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 until the baby is out and it's positive because it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up until you're at your end goal huh that's super interesting yeah, most of our systems are negative feedback loops. So like your temperature drops, your body, you know, shivers to try and bring the temperature back up. Your blood vessels constrict a little bit, not like completely, but a little bit to hold in the heat. And then once your body temperature goes up to the point, your system shuts off. Like you don't, you know what I mean? 
fascinating. You don't keep shivering once you're warm enough. So that's a negative feedback loop. Huh. That's so interesting. No. Well, thank you for that little little education segment. That's our <laughs> Megan's educational segment. You're always welcome. So <laughs> you chose the town today. I did. Frederick. Frederick Colorado. Colorado. So let me educate you a little bit about Frederick. Wait, I have a question for you. I have maybe an answer. Can you guess what case I'm doing? So I was wondering if you were going to do the case that has been on Netflix. Yes. That okay. Everyone should be know, should know what case we're talking about. It's like what what's the name of the episode? The uh, American, American Murder. Yes. Oh, and it was so good. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet, so oh. I am a little too afraid with my postpartum hormones to watch something with, with children with children at the moment. So I've not watched that. I've watched The Staircase, and that's as far as I will go so far. Uh, so oh, very, it is it is good, but it is chilling. I yeah. believe it. Uh, yes. So, okay. I was wondering if it was that case because Mm -hmm. I have something at the end that's related to that case and I wasn't sure whether I should do that or not. Interesting. Yes. So So it's like the watcher house all over again. And I was like, I have a cool one. I know. Right. Seriously. (laughs) We're like, "Hmm." I was like, oh shit. (laughs) Um, let's, so Frederick, it's a statutory town in Weld County, Colorado. Hmm. What is a statutory? I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce this word. I only know statutory rate. (laughs) But I'm not sure if that's actually the same word. It seems like there's an extra vowel. I'm not sure. Anyway, what is that type of town, you might ask? So it operates under Title 31, Article 1, Section 203, and Article 4, Part 3 of the Colorado Revised Statutes. So this type of town has an elected mayor and a board of trustees composed of the mayor and four or six additional members elected at large. So you know what this sounds like? Tell me. It sounds like um, Halloween Town. I don't (laughs) know why. It just, or not Halloween Town. Um, Oh, yeah, no, Halloween Town from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Where it's just like, the mayor and the townspeople. It absolutely does sound like that. So I, do, I think it's just because it's stuck in my head. I, I, that's fair enough. And it's very timely given uh, Halloween time is, it's October. That's and that's my Halloween costume this year. That's, oh, yes, which is going to be so cute. Bodhi is zero. Have you seen pictures of him as zero? No. <gasps> a Bodhi as zero? You. Yeah, Bodhi, I got him a zero Halloween oh, costume. Yeah. He's, and it has a headpiece and everything. Oh my god, yes, you have to send me send me these pictures. We will post them to the gram it's once we get some so good photos cute. and everything. And he looks horrified, but he's not. He's just waiting for a cookie and he has crazy <laughs> eyes. So <laughs> normal state. Um, <laughs> so these types of towns are roughly equil- equivalent to villages in other states, so such as New York, what New York has, or what Delaware has. So that's that. Um, Anyway, as of the census in 2010, there were 8,679 people in 3,000 households in Frederick, Colorado. Um, So, oops, let's see here. Um, The racial makeup of the town, this is really interesting. Um, 
they actually had like literal numbers. So instead of percentages, it Oh my god, they have people. Yes, they have people. So there there were 7,747 white people, 47 African Americans, 181 Asian, 34 AIAN. I don't know what that means. Is that a typo? It's all capitalized. A-I-A-N. Hang on, I'm going to look that up and see. And then If we're just not smart. And then there's one N-H-P-I. And I don't it's know what that, that we is do either. A-I-A-N. Oh, it's an abbreviation. Um, Native American and Alaskan areas. Ah, oh, okay. That makes sense. And so then the NHPI one must also be something. Native this Hawaiian is like when you do Pacific your Islander. Oh, look at that. This is like when you do um, your project in school and the teacher asks you a question. And you're like, I didn't look, that look up. it up. Yeah. <laughs> Can I Google that? <laughs> there was only, I think it's very strange that, like, it's, it's very interesting. There was one uh nhpi native hawaiian or pacific islander and it's just interesting that they like literally call out that there's one person like it just makes me think of like this one man standing alone being like yes that's me i am like the token nhpi person in this town literally i mean that's that's the truth and then there were 398 other people whatever that's the halloween town people yes and then other actually I shouldn't I shouldn't make fun that's like really rude um <laughs> other I think is just or, like or is it different if it's like mixed or sometimes other they're just like just actually, like everything else no because if there's know. a person if there's a percentage I could see other because it's like oh it's like 0.01 percent this and 0.01 percent that you know what I mean I could yeah which you should just call out like what the people are you shouldn't just say other but If they're counting literal literal people and they're calling out one person for being, like, this one specific ethnicity, I don't understand the other. Unless the other is people, like, not claiming an identity, like a a, a racial identity. Yeah, you know what, true, because I don't think you have to do that anymore, do you? I don't remember what we did for the census. Oh, yes, in the census, it was actually kind of strange. So you had to say what your, like, racial identity or whatever was. And then, so I, I forget if it was Caucasian or white, because Caucasian, if you if you don't know, actually is, like, not a real term. Like, Mm-mm. it's a very strange, convoluted thing. But anyway, if you're white, you say you're white. But then you have to, you are required to then put your, like, heritage in the census. Or at least I was. Jeff, we both had to do it for ours. So we had to, like, say where our, like, so I was, like, French and Irish? Like, I mean, but not me. Like, I'm just from here. What if you were adopted? How would you know? That's a good question. How would you know? So the median income in Colorado uh, overall is 71000 but the median income for a household in Frederick is around 100000 Beautiful. Knowing the case that you are going to do, the house is real nice, 
because the, is. the thing that I have for the second part is about something having to do with the case that has to do with the house. It it's a beaut. That house is is gorgeous, honestly. So um, we all know what my case is. I don't have to like. I usually try and like tell a story, and I'm like, "Ooh, who done it?" But it's a white man who kills his family. So you know, yeah. It's uh, what is that? That has a there's a term for that. It's family a, annihilator. Family annihilator. Yeah. Yeah. Be so sad. It's very sad. It's very terrible. Um, and grab some tissues and buckle the fuck up. Okay. Woo! Let's go. So, you know, it's funny, as I'm listening to a lot of wine and crime, and Kenyon is the one who always does these terrible, sad cases. Yes, she does. And I'm kind of starting to feel like that. I'm like, (laughs) I find these cases, and I'm like, ooh, this is a good one. And then I write it up, and I'm like, ooh, God, Megan. (laughs) I feel like you are much more of the, like, deep diver on cases, and I'm, like, the very, like, shallow end case person. So it's like, you come to Megan for the real deep stuff and you come for Taylor for like the fluffy things. Oh yeah, this is, this is bad. So I watched this once and I was like super interested. And then I watched it again to like actually get all the information. And I was like, Oh, this is heavy. Yeah. So I watched the, like the preview for it. And I was, and I had heard of the case previous to the Netflix documentary. Yeah. 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 But I was like, I was like, this seems really good, but also... I, I vaguely really remember this happening, like, in real life. Same, because what year did it happen? 2018. Yeah, so we were very aware of all Like, I kind of remember life. thinking that, like, he didn't... I was like, oh, no, his whole family died. Look how fucking naive I am. I have a podcast, and I'm like, oh, his whole family died. Poor guy. Like, <laughs> Oh, poor thing. Feels so bad for him. I so desperately always want them to not be guilty. Like, I, I so know. badly just want to be like, oh, I just want to take you at face value. As, you like, just a want good people guy, to but be good not. people. Yeah, you're, you're a liar. I know. So, liar. Here we go. Um, okay, so in 2018, Shanann Watts was a 34-year-old mom living in Frederick, Colorado with her husband, Chris, and two daughters, Bella and Cece. And I'm pretty sure they were four and three at the time yeah four and three whoop I know both she and her husband grew up in North Carolina where they met and married before moving to Colorado um Shanann was married once before Chris she describes the marriage as essentially toxic um talks about how it took everything from her and it broke her confidence so actually kind of one of the things that was interesting to me was I really related to Shanann like the cool thing about this documentary yeah the cool thing about this I should actually I should say my sources before I like dive any deeper so American Murder which is the Netflix special Wikipedia Crime Rocket and Crime Online um but American Murder I highly recommend it because it's all essentially first-hand footage that's very interesting it's all like cop body cam um, it's all interviews from like interrogation rooms and um, additionally it's also like um, um, all right so the American murder highly recommend because it's all firsthand footage it's the um, like the cop cameras they have their vest cameras there's the interrogation room video um, and then there's also 
like Shanann was really active on Facebook. So it's a lot of, hmm. I don't even know if Facebook Live was, I don't think it was a thing back then, but it's like a lot of the Facebook videos. It was, it was like, you really got to know Shanann and you really got to know, I shouldn't say you really got to know Chris. Like you really got to hate Chris, mm. but she was just very like unapologetically her. And she was a very confident woman, which is yeah. going to come up later. Um, and she, like, came from, like, she had a shitty marriage before. The guy was really terrible to her. She decided to, like, move on with her life. And, you know, like, I just, like, really, like, felt like I could connect with her and be like, yeah. I understand. It was, like, any woman who, like, essentially any woman in this day and age can really relate to her. It's just, like, you just, like, yeah. you do. And you do ever. I shouldn't say you do everything, but you just you don't make excuses or you don't apologize for how you feel is I guess what yeah, I'm trying to, absolutely. to say. You know, and that almost makes it like just that much more sad because you get to know the victim. Like you feel like you know the victim. You feel like the victim is like you can so resonate with their life and you like, right. um, there's a certain right. word that I'm missing that like you you can relate to them like you you feel right. like you could be friends with this person so that she's yeah and she's essentially in the same stage of life that we are yeah so I think that was the other reason too it wasn't it just anyway we'll like dive right in okay so 34 years old living in Frederick Colorado with her husband two daughters um they both grew up in North Carolina where they met and got married before moving to Colorado um she had been married once before Chris toxic relationship not good um she says that it took everything from her that it broke her confidence that she was really down after it so instead of like wallowing in self-pity this badass picked herself up saved up worked really hard and not bought but built her first home at 25 girl yep get it that's amazing a gorgeous home like there's pictures of her in front of it and I'm just like damn so this part didn't resonate with me because I couldn't do that shit at 25 but even still I was like what did she do for work I don't know what she did back then um but at the time she was like doing one of those like she was a sales representative for a bigger company it kind of reminded me of like Mary Kay stuff like that but I don't think it was makeup she Mm -hmm. was killing it yeah so um she met her husband, Chris, on Facebook. She describes it as he sent her a friend request and she figured there was no harm since she wasn't actually going to meet him, which kind of made me laugh because this was kind of me on Hinge during quarantine. I was like, hey, why not talk to like every guy that comes my way? I don't have to meet them. And then ironically, I met Brandon. Right. Um, just when you least expect it, just like we were saying. Yeah. So um, she also explains how she pushed him away many times and, quote, tortured him, but that he still stuck around. Um, that was the only thing that I was kind of like, like, it's, it sounds sweet, but then knowing that this guy kills her, you're like, yeah, you know it's, what I mean? It's, it's cringy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the couple were married on November 3rd, 2012. At their wedding, Frank, who's Shanann's dad, said, quote, I couldn't have asked for a better man for her. He makes her smile. She makes him smile. And you can actually see, like, that part of his speech. And you can see her brother who's, you know, and the family is just, like, gushing about how much they love the two of them. And it's, oh, like, that's so a sad. really, oh, my God, yeah. It's, like, a really sweet moment. 
That's so, so yeah. Shanann explains that she and Chris moved to Colorado after visiting and falling in love with the area, which I get. Colorado is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, totally. Um, in Colorado, Chris found work as an operator at an Anadarko Petroleum, which is an oil and gas company. And Shanann worked as an independent representative for a company called Lavelle, Lavelle, I think, selling this product called Thrive, which I don't know what that is, but I'm guessing it's like one of those, like Arbonne, um, Mary Kay, like style things where you like buy the products and then sell them essentially. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So very like entrepreneur-esque, which... I was never good at, but if you are a smart person, you can really make a lot of money off of that. Um, so they had their first daughter, Bella, on December 17th, 2013. And their second daughter, Cece, came along July 17th, 2015. And I put their two dates because I thought it was so interesting that it's December 17th and July 17th. Like, that is interesting. It's kind of cool that it's the same day. It is. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Shannon was very active on Facebook, posting pictures and videos of her family. In the summer of 2018, she found out she was pregnant and filmed herself telling Chris by wearing a shirt that said, quote, oops, we did it again. And catching his... I think that I remember seeing that video when this case was, like, happening. Probably. Because she was only, like, 15 weeks pregnant when she died. So sad. Yeah. So she wore that shirt and then he like walked around the corner so she could catch his reaction as he came home. Um, She was really excited. So even before they found out the sex of the baby, she was hoping that the baby was a boy because they had two girls and she was like, I really want a boy for Chris. Yeah. Um, So they found out they were having a boy and they decided to name him Nico. Um, Shanann had a big personality and was lovingly described as quote bossy by a friend the kind of bossy that would push you to do better which kind of made me laugh because I can see quite a few people calling me bossy but like being like oh Megan is you know bossy like not douchebag but you know (laughs) totally I feel like there's a I feel like there's a better word for that like uh a motivator yeah I think strong personality is like a really I put that word in because I think that's a good way to put it totally um it was a uh, exactly and that's the thing is it's like th- this is gonna come full circle with like sexism but nobody calls a man bossy that's exactly what I was thinking nobody calls a man bossy no have you ever heard anybody call a man a child yeah, a boy, a boy? yeah no that doesn't happen <laughs> that just nobody calls a man bossy because I just I just called Jeff bossy I'll tell him that when he comes back in Jeff you're so gonna... bossy <laughs> He's gonna be really confused by that. He's just gonna he's just gonna laugh. He's gonna be yeah, like, he'll, okay. He's gonna be like, that's totally out of context. I don't understand why you're calling me bossy. <laughs> and highly untrue. Um, <laughs> Very untrue. <laughs> so she also described her confidence, saying that she used to hate confrontation when she was younger and she would live for others. Now she lives for herself and her family. Yeah, girl. So like, you know, unapologetic. It's like she's not going out there and starting fights with people, but she's also not going to take any bullshit is essentially what I got from that. Totally. I can hundred percent. Shanann has also stated that she is the dominant personality in the relationship between her and Chris. So she was no fool about who she was. And the other thing I kind of liked about this was that 
they didn't paint her as like this I don't want to say innocent victim because she was innocent but this like angel who never did anything wrong like yeah it's very clear like she had her flaws and she's on camera saying like yeah this is me and this you know what I mean and she's candid about it which I really appreciate because it's like yeah we all have our flaws like doesn't totally die but no absolutely and that's really interesting so I going into this like totally without having any real background other than like knowing the end of the case um but I find it interesting that she was the dominant personality in the relationship. I feel like normally when I think of like a family annihilator, which is typically a man, um, Mm -hmm. and I think about that type of person, my mind immediately goes to like a dominant personality, somebody who's like possessive and like, um, like dominates the relationship. So it's interesting that it actually was, not saying that she was possessive or anything like that, but she was the dominant personality, which I just associate, I think, with... Um, yeah, not- no, I totally get that. And I think that's another interesting piece of this, is I think it shows... I, and I say this later in the article, <clears throat> I think he does show quite a bit of toxic masculinity. Like, I think that is a, a trait of his. He's not, like... It's not like he's misogynistic. Well, he kind of is with some of the subtle comments that he says. Mm. But it's not like he's, you couldn't like, you couldn't pick him out on the street and be like, yeah. Like, Mm. with the way he's talking, with the way he behaves, he's a douchebag. It's like the subtle things that he does. He almost like fades into the background, which makes him like a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, it's like at one point she'll be like begging him for like affection. And he's like, "Mm." like, it's just, it's that whole like apathetic, like, no no there's nothing I'm not talking there's nothing there's no you know what I mean it's he does that um which in some cases is just as emotionally abusive a hundred percent very interesting anyway so Shanann and her daughters were first reported missing on August 13th after a good friend Nicole Atkinson became worried and this woman is like super fucking hero of this story i heard she's a beast like that's what i've been hearing like seeing on all of my like my facebook groups that i'm in that have to do with true crime that's what i've been seeing everywhere is that she was like she's a she's a good friend this woman was not missing for more than like four hours before she's like this is wrong there's something up get it girl uh, you just you just know you just, you know. just know oh absolutely so Nicole texted her multiple times with no response, at, and at 12 p.m., she was like, fuck this, and she headed to her house, noticed that her car was there, but there was no movement in the house. So she calls 911 for an officer to conduct a welfare check. She's there. Um, she tells the officer that she and Shanann had returned from a business trip early that morning and that Nicole had last seen her entering her own house at 1.48 a.m. So this is not even 12 hours later. Um, Nicole tells the officer that on that trip, Shanann was distraught, not eating or drinking as she normally would, and additionally, she drops the bomb that Shanann is 15 weeks pregnant and missed her 9 a.m. OB appointment. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, like, this woman, obviously, like, this friend, she obviously knew, like, there was something, like, she knew there was something afoot Mm -hmm. to, like, be so on top of this. Because, like, Right. So I think about like, if it was like you and me and you like had dropped me off at my house at like, you know, 
early, early wee hours of the morning after we had come home from somewhere and like, I, you know, you hadn't heard from me in a little bit of time, you probably wouldn't be too concerned. You'd just be like, oh, she's like sleeping because we got in really late or whatever. But right. obviously because she knew something was going, like she had to have Exactly, known. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we get into it a little bit more later on. But yeah, she, this woman is no fool. Um, so Nicole and the officers were walking around the home, peering in, calling for Shanann. As the officer is looking and making himself known, you can hear the dog barking. They had this little wiener dog that was so cute. No. But there was no movement in the house. The officer tells her that he can't enter the house until he gets permission from Chris, who at that point was on his way. Nicole calls Shanann's mom, Sandy, to ask for the garage codes that she can enter the house. Sandy tells Nicole that Chris told her Shanann was at a girlfriend's house, but he didn't give her any more specifics. That's shady. Which this was kind of interesting slash didn't really get explored anymore when his like story falls apart. Which, well, I mean, I suppose why would you explore it more? Because his story comes out. But even still, I was like, interesting. Um, meanwhile, Chris had been texting Shanann all morning and was not getting a response. So these are all um, text messages. Quote, 7.40 a.m. Quote, if you take the kids somewhere, please let me know where they are at. Exclamation point. 12 p.m. Can you call me, please? 1.19 p.m. I'm on my way home. Please be there. Where are you? Once Chris makes it to the house, he allows officers, Nicole, and a neighbor in. Everyone begins looking through the house. Chris notes that the girls' blankies are gone, and that's significant because they don't go anywhere without them. Additionally, Shanann's phone, which Chris calls her lifeline, is found off and her purse with medication is also found at the house so shanann had lupus um oh boy so yeah. she yeah so she needed to have that medication with her and her purse her car Absolutely. her phone is off in there and um she works from home so chris was basically like this is how she like works like she needs her phone yeah um chris then walks out of the bedroom holding the wedding ring holding her wedding ring the officer asks if there's a note, and there's obviously not one. Um, he said he had found it on the nightstand. Chris details his morning, saying that Shanann got home around 2 a.m., came to bed. He got up and left around 5.15 or 5.30 to go to work, and that was the last that he saw her. Um, they also ask him, you know, do you know anywhere she could have gone? Do you know anyone's house she could have gone to? And <laughs> this is when I started to be like, oh, you are kind of misogynist. So... <clears throat> He was like, oh, I know, like, a couple of her girlfriends, but Nicole would know more, you know, because she's a woman, and they know that stuff, and it's just kind of like, okay, there's a different way to say that, like, she tells, you know, she tells her best friend everything, like, like, you could say something like, I don't even know. Why would your best friend know more about your friends than your husband does? Well, that's a good point. I'm sure Jeff could rattle off all of your friends like that are like close that you would go to of course like you know like extended co-workers and stuff he's not gonna know and you'd have to talk to like outwards but even still it it just whatever no a hundred percent I totally totally agree with that like yeah he he would be able he'd be like here are the list of people whose houses whose house she would be at yeah exactly yeah totally um so a neighbor offers to show Chris and police his security camera footage because he has a camera that kind of looks onto their property kind of um their driveways are like side by side Mm -hmm. 
you can see Chris pull his truck out at 5.17 a.m., so consistent with his story, yep. and then back into the driveway, and he said so he could load his tools into the car. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really all the video footage revealed. They just saw that little bit. Mm-hmm. As the officers were wrapping up, Chris walks out of the house. I don't know why, but he must his, something must have gotten his attention. The neighbor waits, literally looks, waits until he's out the door, looks at the cop, and says, quote, he's not acting right at all. He describes mm. how the fidgeting and the talkative nature is not normal. Like, he's usually pretty quiet and reserved. The neighbor also adds that Chris does not typically load anything into the back of his car. Everyone was on the lookout for a shenan. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was so interesting to see. It was, like, a moment that you were, like, ooh, it, like, gives you chills. He mm-hmm. looks dead at the officer. He's, like, he's not acting right. Like, this is weird. And wow. Good for that yeah, neighbor. Yeah, the officer essentially was like, look, like, put yourself in his position. He's nervous. This is a really weird situation. Like, and the neighbor's like, oh, no, yeah, like, totally, you know, and it's, it's true. Like, people, yeah, you never know how different ways. Yeah, and- totally. You don't know how you'd react. But like, you, if you notice something like that, you should definitely, like, I, he, he totally did the right thing, whether or not he was guilty or not. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so now we're gonna, like, jump back a little bit. We're going to talk about a few weeks prior to her disappearance. Okay. So Shanann took the girls on a six-week trip back to North Carolina. Chris had to stay home for the first five weeks due to work slash looking after the house, but was planning on joining them on July 31st. Text messages sent back and forth during the trip revealed that Shanann was unhappy about Chris's lack of communication, mm. not calling on his own to talk to his daughters, missing calls and just generally being fairly absent interesting at one point shanann suggests that he doesn't even miss them Hmm. she like texts them and she's like dude like what the fuck and um chris apologizes and promises that he'll do better oh one kind of a funny thing kind of funny is there's like a few times where they show her like actually texting and then they'll show the message and (laughs) one time she's mad and she's trying to write fucking and she writes ducking and she like doesn't change it and you just know like in that moment like she's so pissed that she can't even go back and like look to spell check and I'm like girl been there been there so many ducking times (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love auto <laughs> bad autocorrect or perfect <laughs> autocorrect at, at perfect moments like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so while in North Carolina, Shanann brings the girls to visit her in-laws, so Chris's parents. Yep. Cece has severe allergies. It kind of seemed to be nut allergies that apparently her paternal grandmother did not know about. And so she bought ice cream that contained the allergens. I think it was like pistachio ice cream or something like that. Yikes. How did the paternal grandmother know that? So. Okay. Enraged, Shanann allegedly yelled at Cindy, who's her mother-in-law, that she was trying to kill Cece, which ended in Shanann being kicked out of the house. Shanann texted Chris about the situation, and he said he would deal with it. While in North Carolina, the family celebrated Cece's birthday. However, the in- after the incident, Chris's family didn't go to the birthday party. Okay. There is some bad blood between Chris's family and Shanann. Chris's family didn't come to the wedding. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. 
his mother and sister felt like Shanann was taking Chris away from them because they were going to Colorado. And in one text message, Shanann is quoted as saying she never wanted to see her in-laws again. Now, it's to me, like, I don't, they didn't explore this topic too, too much. But to me, it kind of seemed like she didn't mind her father-in-law, but she had an issue with her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law. Interesting. So the grandmother not knowing about the allergies, which one is kind of interesting to me. It's like, wow, you're very absent from At- this child's life. You would have to be to not know that if it's a se- like a severe nut allergy. Like those are very dangerous. Right. Or you're just, I don't know if it was just she wasn't paying attention or what, but like it was a, obviously like this girl can like die from this. She must have yeah. been anaphylactic, Absolutely. you know? So yeah, there's definitely a lot of strain there. Um, and apparently like just after their wedding, he acted really distant and like, be, and I think it was because of, you know, his parents and like the bad blood between his wife and his family and stuff. Um, so interesting. Yeah, straight up not coming to the wedding. I was like, yes, there's, 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 there's a lot there, and I don't yeah. think they fully went into it because that's not just like, a, oh, this woman is a bitch and she annoys me. That's like, yeah, no, not going is a big deal. It is. There's something else going on there. Yeah, for sure. So just before Chris comes to North Carolina, Shanann texts him saying that she feels like the relationship is one sided. She's putting in all this emotion and she's not getting the same back from him. And she says, you know, you need me. I need you to meet me halfway, which he is kind of like, you know, don't worry. Like that, that's kind of the name of his game. He's like, don't worry. Everything's fine. Things will get better. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Which truthfully, like that would annoy the shit out of me if I was like, listen, oh, I'm feeling yeah. this way and it sucks. And he's like, oh no, don't worry. It'll be fine. We'll get oh, that, there. Oh, I would be like, really? Would it be? Is it fine? <laughs> Want to see me freak out? Which is kind of what she was like doing. And I don't really yeah, blame her. I don't blame frustrating. her. I would be like, oh my gosh, I'd be over the top. Yeah. This man's been five weeks without seeing his wife and kids. And he's like, Meh. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah. So unfortunately, when Chris finally got to North Carolina at the end of July, things didn't get any better. She texted a friend back home saying that there's a lack of intimacy between them. After five weeks apart, they only kissed once at the airport, barely touch, and don't have sex. Interesting. So mm-hmm. there's... Yeah. Absolutely. And this is even even after Shanann tries to, like, initiate, which <laughs> it's kind of interesting to be talking about this. I feel like it's, like, so insanely personal to be like but it you know it does have something to do with it and she was telling her friends like she was concerned about it you know I mean which is something you would tell your friends like that is something you would share and you'd be like I'm concerned is this like this isn't normal like blah 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 and I think that was the other thing too is you you look at the text messages she has back and forth with her friends and you're like wow like this is the way not like these messages in particular because you know unless you're in a like a not so great relationship you're not sending those text messages but totally. just the candidness of how you're talking like it's totally you're talking to your friends yeah, it's absolutely. you know what I mean it's like you get such an intimate perspective of like what's exactly going on. it's such a real element to it you know yeah, for sure um so she told Nicole that things were bad and didn't know what was going on with Chris she, like I said before, said the only other time he acted this way was directly after they got married. And um, 
this was likely due to the rift between her and his his parents and this is when shanann starts to begin to suspect that he's having an affair mm-hmm. so she's basically like okay you've gone like five weeks without sleeping with me are you getting it from somewhere else essentially yeah. is her thought process totally so the entire family flies back to Colorado around August 6th. Um, and at first, it seems like things are getting better between the couple. Shanann tells friends that they are talking more. And Chris says he wants to fix the relationship. So now finally, it's like, after so much time of him being like, eh, let's dodge the question, he's like talking. So yeah. she gets really excited. Um she says to her friends she thinks that the whole issues were with him withdrawing were because of the in-laws um because that's like the only consistent that's the only thing that's changed within that like month period yeah however this doesn't last long as he again pulls away and becomes less affectionate shanann finally confronts him about cheating now this kind of like made me laugh too because i can totally see myself doing this as well he was like asleep. I'm pretty sure she like took a picture of him to show her friend like like they were supposed to have sex and like they didn't and she was upset because she was like really like you know kind of, not ex- expecting it's like not the right word but it was like yeah. uh they th- she thought it was going to happen. Yeah. And she got rejected again. And so he was like sleeping so I think she like took a picture and like sent it to her friends like essentially like what the fuck. Yeah, and like then- what is going on? Yeah, totally. <laughs> She's like, I woke him up out of a dead sleep and was like, are you cheating on me? And I'm like, girl, that's the way to be. Catching her off guard. Absolutely. I totally feel that. Yes. Because it just, it bottles up and bottles up and bottles up. And eventually you're just like, oh God, wake up. Yes. Get your answer. Get it now. There's no more waiting. (laughs) It's like a picture of him sleeping and then he's being like, what the fuck? I can just, like, I literally can see that whole scenario playing out. Like, it, that, it, this does, it, like, feels like coming from this perspective, like, where you're so deep in her text messages and you're, like, you feel, like, I feel like, like this you know is, her. yeah, this feels like something that, like, some, like, one of our friends would be, like, going through and we have, like, a group text and you're just, like, yeah, you're, like, girl, like, just do this, like, ask him, confront the situation, all mm-hmm. that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it honestly, that's, that's how they talk to each other too. It's like, go get it girl and do this girl and hang tight girl. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Um, okay. So he of course denies it. Cause what else would he do besides own up to of his course, bullshit? Of course, of course. So that Friday, August 10th, Shanann leaves for a training in Arizona with Nicole. She leaves Chris a letter on the table telling him how much she loves him, how she missed him, that she'll always fight for their marriage. Like She's really trying. Yeah. Um, she's in contact with Chris throughout the weekend, checking in on him and the girls, thanking him for letting her go on this trip and taking care of the kids. So here's the other piece where I think, like, yeah, you're right, he's not the dominant in the relationship. But this yep. is where I think is that other piece of toxic masculinity is she's like, thanks for letting me thanks. go on a work trip to train yeah, and you thanks. can babysit your own kids. Totally, 100%. But she feels like she needs to say that to him because, again, she is trying to fix this marriage where he's being a douchebag, and spoiler alert, he's cheating on her. Yeah, and so not surprising. And so she has to fluff up his ego. You know what I mean? Like, it, this is where I'm like, yeah, he's a total douchebag. Um, so, da-da-da-da-da. So on Saturday... Chris tells Shanann he's going to a Rockies game, which she's like, fine, cool. 
Then she sees the credit card bill and notices that he spent $65 at a dinner at a cheap bar and grill. Now, the funniest thing for this was it took me a little while. Because in Massachusetts, that is kind of a cheap dinner. Like, you can easily yes. rack up $65. 65 bucks? That's like one person's meal and a couple of drinks. <laughs> yeah. But then I actually saw, like, they show you pieces of the menu, and it's like, some stuff is like $3. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you're just Where like- Where do get that eh. food? So she's like, she's looking at this credit card bill that, or this, I don't know if it was like a ping that came through to her phone or whatever. She's looking at the bill, and she's like, $65? Like, what the fuck? And she's, like, looking at the menu, like, how in God's name did you did spend this spend? much money? Yeah. She's, like, adding up, like, all of it. And, of course, he's got, like, you know, no excuses. Like, oh, eating, you know. Eating is, is food, and food is money. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I dumb, yes. So... She also finds out that he gets home significantly later than expected as she gets a notification from the security system they have when he gets home. So it must be like a ring doorbell type thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. It's like, could you be any dumber? Yeah. Like, can we like, oh, yes. can we like pay in cash when we take the mistress out? Like, I don't know. You oh, know no, I mean? that like... would be too smart. <laughs> so when she calls him at the airport the next day, he can't be bothered to talk to her. And is so eager to work out, he begins working out when he's on the phone with her. Which she is upset because she's like, wow, you can't even talk to me for like two minutes. He's like, he's like, and this conversation is over because I'm working out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She gets on the flight and arrives home at 1.48 a.m. Monday morning. Okay, so now we're going to jump back to like kind of present time. Okay. So on August 14th and 15th, so this is, she got home the 14th. So August, no, she got home the 13th. So August 14th and 15th, police are um, interviewing Chris. They're getting information for the flyers. They're canvassing the neighborhood. Um, they bring canine units in to see if they can track the scent of Shannon and the girls. Um, and the canine officers actually note how amazingly clean the house is. News crews are also set up at the house, and one crew actually gets an interview with Chris, which here's again where I think that toxic masculinity comes into play. You've literally, you're trying to cover up murdering your wife and kids, and you go on freaking camera. Anyway. Yeah, that's just, yeah. There, so he's, he's just not, he's not the smartest cookie in the batch of cookies. In a batch of cookies. <laughs> Ellie is not happy about this. She is not. She's like, he is dumb. <laughs> right? She's like, food is food and food is money. <laughs> that's, that's what she's saying to my boob right now. So, during the interview, he appears very uncomfortable. And I didn't quite catch this, but I remember them talking about this on Wine and Crime. And you can kind of see in the interview, like I, I did watch a video of it. Um... He refers to them in the past tense. Oh, that's never a good sign. Negative. So during the next two days, he is interviewed by police and undergoes a polygraph test. Um, he tells police that he and Shanann had, quote, an emotional conversation, which entailed talking about their time apart, how you can learn a lot about yourself when you spend time apart from your significant other, and how there wasn't a spark left. And he's basically like, I was bawling, this was terrible, which 
I could understand that because, like, if you were actually having that conversation, like, yeah, that would be a difficult conversation to have if you were having that conversation. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So detectives ask him if there's anyone else, which he denies. Mm-hmm. Little does he know, at the same time he's being questioned, his girlfriend, Nicole Kessinger, is talking to police. I love how everyone's named Nicole and also everybody spells Nicole differently. <laughs> Just so okay. funny. Yeah. So she voluntarily goes to the police department stating that she's worried about Chris's wife and kids. She met Chris at work in June. So like not that long before. And he told her he was going through the process of a separation and that he had two kids. She tells police she didn't know Shanann was pregnant until it came out in the media. The night he was supposed to be at the Rockies game, he was out with Nicole and spent some time at her house before going back home to his kids. He told her, when he told her Shanann was missing, she initially thought Shanann was mad, like maybe she had found out about the affair, he admitted it or whatever, and she was like, she's mad, give her some time to cool off, she'll come back, she didn't think anything was wrong. Detectives asked her if she ever had an issue with the kids, she stated that she didn't, um, and she never told him that she had an issue with them. And um, there are some that suspect that she may have had something to do with it. However, the district attorney has come out and said that he's confident that Watts acted alone. Mm. And from what I could find, Watts never implicated her, which I also kind of feel like he's not a martyr. He's the type of person that if he's going down, he's bringing everyone down with him. Oh, yeah, I totally think so. So I don't like maybe she knew more about he was actually having an affair you know what I mean and she wanted to save face by saying they were she didn't realize and blah blah blah. but you know she did just walk into the police station and she you know I don't know like I I don't they didn't go into it at all in the documentary so I'm just gonna go with like she had nothing to do with it because I haven't really found any anything solid interesting um Unsurprisingly, Chris Watts did not pass his polygraph test. (gasps) Shocker. And this is where things really started to unravel for him. Side note. Side note. The confidence of a straight, white, narcissistic male. Oh, I'm so excited to hear it. You can literally see on camera, right? The woman comes in. I think she's a detective. um, But regardless, she comes in to do the polygraph test. And she looks at him and she's like explaining it to him and she's like and obviously you wouldn't be here if you did it this is supposed to clear your name because if you did it it would be really dumb for you to be here right now and if you did it you should not be here right now and then he did it oh my god oh my god oh seriously (laughs) so i can't yeah, honestly, if I don't think I'll ever have to get polygraphed, but I'm so worried that if I do, I have so much anxiety that everything is going to read as positive and they're going to be like, dude, oh, you're totally. lying about your name. And I'll be like, oh, I swear I'm not. <laughs> no, totally. Luckily, it's all in- inadmissible in court, so don't have to worry about that anyway. True. So um, once the results came back, the detectives start to talk to Chris about, you know, him being involved, which he denies. <laughs> Sure. I'm sorry. It's just it's so hard to not laugh. They're like, don't do this if you don't if you did it, you shouldn't do this because we'll know <laughs> you did it. He's like, okay. And then they find out he did it. He's like, no. Nah. <laughs> what? So 
oh my god just so egotistical like it's just like yeah the, the ego on oh my gosh yeah. I can't the quiet ego the quiet ego possibly the most dangerous of them all so true so he gives the detectives a carrot saying that he had an affair so they're basically like Chris Chris tell us the truth tell us the truth it's like okay I have a girlfriend like shut up we know she's in the other room (laughs) we weren't talking about that so the detectives then ask chris if shanann did something to the kids so now they're starting to be like did shanann do something to the kids and then you had to do something to shanann kind of a thing so at this point you can tell he realizes he's in a sticky situation and he asks for his dad to come into the interrogation room the detectives leave let him come in they leave him in there with his dad Chris tells his father that the detectives aren't going to let him go because it shows lying on the polygraph. Mm-hmm. And his father, Ronnie, is like, oh, well, is there any reason they shouldn't let you go? So he tells Ronnie that Shanann smothered the two girls and that he freaked out and did the same thing. He stated that, quote, he didn't want to protect her anymore. What? See, this is why I think that... Um, he would have taken down the mistress with him if he could have because he's throwing his wife that he killed under the bus and he's saying i don't want to protect her anymore are you kidding me are you fucking kidding oh Oh my my god i can't even so when he relays this information he's whispering and having a hard time getting the words out like you can tell he's kind of stammering a little bit and his poor dad is just like shocked like can't believe it essentially um when the detectives come back he retells the story just as he told his father um crying he tells them that he buried his family at Servi 319 which is the work site he was at on that monday he said he didn't know what to do so he brought them out there um shanann was found buried on the property where he essentially told them uh she would be buried and the two girls were put in the tanks so they had to be extracted from the tanks yeah oh my god i know you're two babies you put them in a god i just can't i just i i can't i can't even yep um the detective asked chris if he's okay with the public knowing that shanann killed the girls and he angrily replies he didn't hurt them so this is like the most emotion he's like showed he cries when he says where like the kids are and his wife and then he gets mad that they're like okay so like did you kill the girls or did shanann do it and he gets like pissed um Talking further, the detectives point out that it looks like he got a new life and had to get rid of his old one. Therefore, they didn't think Shanann actually killed her kids. Hmm. So even after the confession, the, oh God, this just, oh God. We're, I know, we're wrapping it up. It's, it, this is bad it's, though. It's just, it's, it's so horrible. It's so horrible. So even after the confession, some conspiracy theorists believed he was innocent. Fucking shocker. Who would back a white man with a large ego? Hmm. Who would? I'm I'm at a loss to think <laughs> did of a terrible person. terrible things and then said, "Ha ha, it wasn't me." Good fucking god. Okay, yeah, seriously. Others went on social media and attacked Shanann and her family, saying things like, "Quote, I wonder if she even wanted the kids." They found her parenting style disturbing. "Quote she drove him to lose his shit. Quote, she was a bitch. 
it's just ridiculous. It just doesn't even make sense. Why would you, like, how can you defend that person? Like, I don't understand. Listen, also, I'm going to say something, and I firmly believe this. When I was younger, my skating coach was like, if you're not a bitch, you're never going to get anything done. And I think it's so true. I think as like a woman, you get labeled a bitch because you have a strong personality and that's the only way you're going to get shit done. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. So I'm sorry, I'm a bitch and I do not want to die. And I don't think I deserve to die because I'm one. Like, get the fuck over it. Absolutely. But also, and if a man acted that way, nobody would say anything of it. But also, this is the other thing, too. This woman has been murdered. Murdered. Regardless of what you have done. Absolutely. You, you do not... don't... Why, you don't deserve to get murdered. Why are we... It's like victim blaming at its finest. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. So, it is true that Shanann could push people's buttons and was a strong personality. She stated that, quote, he never fights with me, just goes with the flow. He and I know I like things done a certain way, but I never thought about how that would make him feel as a man. Again, it's like she has to like fluff his ego because if she's like, hey, I want to do things in this way, he can't be like, oh, I would rather do things this way instead and have a fucking conversation Just instead be he has a to be a normal like, human. Oh, I don't feel My bad for fragile like, male ego. It's so true. It's this is like the epitome of the fragile male ego, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Oh, she also, uh, she also said, I did belittle him once without realizing it to his parents, told him he needed to find his balls and protect his family with the shrug emoji, which like, okay, I don't think I, I would, I would feel bad for saying that I really would, but, but he fucking deserves it. He this deserved man it. fucking deserves it. Like, oh my Absolutely. God. And then I wrote in all caps, still not a reason to kill someone, which is true. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Again, yeah. So women with strong personalities are always attacked. In my opinion, he had some toxic masculinity going on, right? So it's like the interview, thinking he's going to pass the polygraph, the affair, the lying, like, uh, whatever. Kind of seems like beyond just an opinion, I would say that that is a fact. He had toxic <laughs> masculinity. <laughs> but it's so true. And this is when people are like, mm, sexism isn't a thing. Okay, I'm not getting turned away from my job because I'm a woman, but like, God, can you imagine if I was murdered, the shit people would say about me? They'd be like, listen to our podcast. She swears like an animal. She's oh, yeah. An she deserves to die. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. Absolutely. Fucking, fucking ridiculous. So in February 2019, Chris pleaded guilty to all counts, which allowed him to avoid the death penalty and spared Shanann's family a trial. So. The whole story came out. Well, most of the story came out. Shanann was murdered the morning she came back from her trip to Arizona. Chris had a feeling she knew um, that he was having an affair and figured Saturday night was the last straw. He openly admitted he was barely trying to hide it anymore, putting the bill on their shared credit card. When she came home and got into bed, they slept together. Um, The next morning, he told her it wasn't going to work out between them. She confronted him about the affair, which he finally admitted to. Understandably upset, she said, you'll never see your kids again. She told him to get off of her, and then he put his hands around her to choke her. Chris states that Shanann did not fight back. He claims the idea of... Yeah? Oh, this is this is, another, this is another fucking gem. He claims the idea of him killing her was just implanted in his mind, and he would wake up in the morning and he was just going to do it. He had no control over it. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. You know what I have no control over? Being a bitch. (laughs) 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 That needs to go on a (laughs) t-shirt. So, oh, this is sad. Bella came into the room holding her blankie, saw her mom face down on the bed, and asked if she was okay. Chris wrapped Shannon in a sheet and put her on the floor of the back seat of his truck. So this is when he did that whole backing the truck up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he then loaded the girls into the back seat. When they saw Shanann on the floor, they asked if she was okay, and he told them she would be fine. They drove 45 minutes out to his work site, where he says the girls were half asleep and, like, kind of, like, laying in each other's laps. Like, I think probably, like, yeah. leaning over. Yeah. When they got to the site, he smothered Cece with her blanket as Bella watched. Then he smothered Bella, and he remembers her saying, Daddy, no. Oh, my God. He stated he didn't know why he killed his kids. After annihilating his family. Horrible, 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 horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. After annihilating his family, he called the school to unenroll his kids, called a realtor to talk about selling his house, called his girlfriend. He was in an altered state. He had no idea what he was doing. I mean, driving 45 minutes and then being like, yep, still got to kill my kids. He had a long time to think about it. And then, ugh, yeah. So, yeah, he, he called on and roll his kids, called a realtor to talk about selling the house, and called his girlfriend to talk about their future. The judge presiding over the case called it the most heinous and vicious crime he had ever presided over before sentencing him to life in prison. Shanann's father, Frank, says that his daughter was a fighter. He believes Chris did this while Shanann was asleep because, quote, he would not look the way he looks right now if she was up. A hundred percent. There's no mm-hmm. way that she wouldn't have fought back. Mm-hmm. And then these, oh, I literally just got chills, like, reading these before even saying them aloud. Ugh. These were the last three things that are said in the documentary. And it's just like, like, the, st- the screen goes black and you can just, like, see it. Oh, chilling. So, in America, three women are killed by their current or ex-partner every day. Mm. Parents who murder their children and partner are most often men. And the crime is virtually always premeditated. Wow. And a, and a little cute, cute quote from Bella before. Oh. before. So, Shanann and Chris had found out that they were having the boy. And Bella was like old enough to like kind of know what was going on yes. and so one of the text conversations between Chris and Shanann while she was in Arizona is she was like hey did you talk to Bella about the baby being a boy and he was like no not really um Bella told me <laughs> that when the baby's born she'll just pretend it's a girl <laughs> oh, oh that's so cute <laughs> yeah and oh. you know so I just I thought that was it's just, it's so sad, like, four it's and three, and it, I mean, so Shanann, it's like, it's like, terrible, you know, God, just get a fucking divorce, that's the moral of the story, get a divorce. Absolutely, you don't need to kill your whole family. Get a divorce. Oh yeah. My God. Oh so, yeah, that's, God. I highly recommend that documentary, they did an amazing job with it, it's incredible how first-hand it is. Oh, I, well, good job retelling that, I will save that for a time when I'm feeling very... Uh, in the, in the, I'll be in the right mood. I'll need to be in the right mood to watch that. You need a lot of wine. 
yeah so once I can have a lot more wine I'll I'll watch that <laughs> oof all right what do, we, what do we got to lighten it on up well well so ironically so as you mentioned uh in at the end of your case that he had called a realtor and was trying to sell the house so what I found was that, as you mentioned at the end of the at the end of your case, how he had contacted the realtor? I found on Realtor.com, nobody wants it. Colorado home at the center of Netflix murder oh. documentary hangs in limbo. Damn. So, um, so you know, obviously everybody has been captivated by this horrible, horrible, horrible murder. Um. He, uh, so let me give you some info about this house. So he's currently obviously serving multiple life sentences behind bars, yeah. but, but the fate of, uh, their 4,200 square foot brown house, Ooh. Yeah, it's a big house, um, at 2825 Saratoga Trail in Frederick is still uncertain. The unassuming single-family house in the suburbs sits in legal limbo. So hmm. the, the lender that owns the mortgage on the home built in 2013 foreclosed on the property and put it up for auction. But no one bought it within a year of when it went up for sale. So the county took it out of foreclosure. So that means it's still owned by Chris Watts. Oh, good lord. Um, it's not getting any bids because people know the sordid history of the house and nobody wants it, uh, says a bankruptcy attorney um, who works with foreclosures in the area. I thought you were going to say says a bankrupt person. <laughs> <laughs> they would know as well. Um, it just sits in limbo until a creditor comes along and tries to foreclose again. Uh, the Couple purchased the brand new home for three hundred ninety nine thousand in May twenty thirteen. It's now estimated to be worth six hundred forty eight thousand. Um, so it's obviously gone up in value a lot, but it has no value if nobody wants it. Um, usually, at least the mortgage company will attempt to buy the home at, uh, so they can resell it. Mm -hmm. um, this could mean that the lender is worried that the home won't fetch a good price or simply won't attract a buyer. Um, and real estate investors are also shying away from it which of course i don't know why a real estate investor would buy a 4200 square foot single family home uh it doesn't really make sense um do you want it uh absolutely not because <laughs> the rent on that would literally not cover the mortgage so why would you buy that uh also there's theories that it's haunted um Ooh. yes so it's also likely to lead to significant price cuts. The longer the house is vacant, the bigger the discounts. And it's been vacant now for uh, well over two years. Um, so this was an interesting quote, I thought. When there are kids involved, the discounts are higher. People really don't like that. Um, the documentary will likely exacerbate the stigma, making the house even more toxic. He expects that the, the realtor expects that the house will be need to be discounted 15 to 25% in order to actually sell it. It's mm -hmm. a nice family-friendly neighborhood, um, but it's probably not going to have much success selling. Um, there are a lot of looky-loos coming around and looking at the house. Um, so there 
is also, so when I was doing some research on the house, uh, very, very, like 2 a.m. while I was up with the baby, <laughs> uh, I was seeing that there are there's some pictures that are circulating, which I couldn't look at because it was 2 a.m. and I was a little too nervous to do this, but no. pictures of um, like what people are saying are ghosts of the little girls in the house. Um, they were kind of creepy. I saw them from afar. Um, anything with kids and ghosts just totally freaks me out. Uh, but yeah, so that's another like piece of this too, is that one, people don't like the association of it. And also they think it's haunted. So this house will probably sit for a very, very long time. And um, it really stinks for the neighbors, but hopefully it's very personally damaging to Chris Watts. Yeah, he really honestly shouldn't get, they should sell, like, either tear down the house or, like, whatever, and it'd just be done with it. They probably will have to. It'll probably go up for auction, someone will buy it, and they will tear it down. That would be my guess, because nobody's gonna want to live in it. And I don't say that I have to blame them. That's interesting, because you don't think about that stuff, like, when people, I mean, most people don't, aren't family annihilators, but, like, it happens and then what happens to all of their stuff and like their house totally. and everything totally yeah you don't think of all those ex- like other things that happen cool. so yeah so that's a little interesting tidbit about uh this situation everything was very full circle today it was full circle i apologize to all of our uh listeners who may have heard lots of baby sounds in the background i'm trying to figure out how to have a baby so that is my life. Meh, no worries, honestly. This is pandemic times, and we aren't cool enough to have a studio or anything like that. So this is, this is what we get. We get dog sounds. We got baby sounds. True that life. We have sounds of my father working on the deck. If you heard hammering, that was him working on the deck. Oh, I think I did hear that at one point and wondered what that was. Construction. Construction noise. Because my house is not worth $600,000. I mean, fair enough. Gotta do my own work. (laughs) Feel that life. (laughs) Well, good job. Yeah, same to you, friend. And thank you all for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. See you next time.